Guys, Momofuku, if you haven't been to the restaurants or if you haven't been to one in a while because you left New York and you were really jonesing for some noodles or some chili crunch or our soy sauces, etc. Momofuku Goods has you, man. There's a handful of bundles on shop.momofuku.com where you can pick up some great savings on Momofuku Goods. These are all created in our lab where, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. We started that lab the same year that Noma started their lab, and we both sort of got dialed in on fermentation and the flavors that can be unlocked with fermentation. In addition to that, we have always wanted to do something that was more uh, instant noodle as well. So we were really excited that we could launch that not too long ago and very excited and very thankful for all the people that have been buying them and feeding their families with it. But that's just a scratch on the surface with the Momofuku goods. We got rice vinegar. We have the tamari, the soy, the salts. I, I think they're, they should be the grilling salts because I use them for my smoker and for grilling meats, the tingly, the spicy, and the savory, and the hot honey chili crunch, uh, the, the black truffle chili crunch. We have some new things coming out in the new year. So very excited to talk to you about those when, when I'm allowed to. But in the meantime, you can get the full array at shop.momofuku.com and uh, we can get it delivered straight to your door. Or you can visit us at your local supermarket, uh, your Targets, your Whole Foods, your Kroger's, your Albertsons, etc. We're, we're available nationwide, but you cannot get the full array. Not yet, at least, but you can get that at shop.momofuku.com, including the, the bundles that include our new flavors, the spicy chili and the sweet and spicy. And you can get 10% off with the code DOMO10. And more importantly, the discounts offered stack so you can save money with the bundle and get the 10% off too. So that's a great, great savings. And if you're listening to this, it's a great stocking stuffer. It's a great Christmas present. You can still get it in. Anyway, let's get on to the show. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Getting ready for the holiday season, guys. Uh, happy, happy New Year coming up as well. So much going on, and Chris Ying is not here today. He is very busy, and I know that we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, we have a lot to announce, and I hope that we can announce it soon. And I do promise you that in the upcoming year, the podcast is going to be a little bit different. But we have my my good friend Kevin Patricio on today as a guest. And I wanted to get Kevin on for quite some time, mainly because I would say there's three or four cities that are continuing to rise in travel popularity as a destination. Tokyo is now... It's clearly number one. And it's on everyone's list. And I feel that my list that I give to friends have now has now been like a Spotify playlist that is now being used by a lot of different people. So I don't even recommend that list now. And I haven't been to Tokyo in quite some time. So I need to develop a new list for Tokyo. But I would say the second place right behind Tokyo as to when people ask me, hey, I'm going here. What do I do? It is San Sebastian in Spain, in the Basque country. Kevin Patricio is American. He grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. He cooked. I've known him. He used to work at Blue Hill. I, I've known him since 2000. Oh, my God. 2001, 2002. And he made a, uh, a, a, a smart choice to get into more of the, 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 the food writing. He worked at Food and Wine and a few other things. And he married Maite, who is from San Sebastian. And Maite took Kevin away from us and brought him to San Sebastian. And I don't blame him, man. That place is awesome. And Maite worked in the restaurant industry as well. 
you can find him on Instagram at K Patricio. That's K P A T R I C I O. He's a CEO founder of Baskland Brewing. They make delicious stuff. I visited the brewery. I've had many meals with Kevin. He is a consummate host. Him and Maite and his whole family, they they truly are insiders in San Sebastian. So I wanted this to be an Atlas episode. We'll do a little bit of a PFFW as well, because listen, it's been a while since we won and we won. And I'm just going to gloat in that. But Kevin Patricio is our resident expert in San Sebastian. And again, I, I would say if Tokyo is 1A, San Sebastian is 1B of, hey, Dave, I'm going to San Sebastian, or I want to go to San Sebastian, why should I go? And I can't think of another person better than Kevin to give us the, the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts of San Sebastian. So we'll get to him in a second. All right, guys. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome back. We're here with another edition of Atlas, where we cover the best travel and eating tips with some of the most knowledgeable and experienced locals in a given city. If you haven't yet, you should check out the Atlas we did in New York with New York uh, residents expert, screenwriter extraordinaire, director, Brian Koppelman, uh, which released in July of 2023. And this is something that we want to do much more of uh, since people are traveling. So I've known Kevin Patricio a long time. I think since 2002, his wife worked at Danielle and he worked in restaurants and then he worked at Food and Wine and then he worked at a few other publications. And I remember getting the news that he was going to be moving to San Sebastian because my taste family's from San Sebastian. And I saw him last 2016, 2017. It was a trip that where I ate at El Cano and Echabari. I've been fortunate enough to eat at those restaurants, Echabari a couple of times, El Cano a handful of times. It is really one of my favorite cities in the world. Juan Marie Arzac is the godfather of Basque cuisine. And with Fanon Agia, they were really the, the fathers of modern gastronomy in a lot of ways because it it, 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 it took place in Spain with both of them. And Juan Marie at Restaurant Arzac and his daughter, Elena, he is somebody I love tremendously. And he is getting up there in years. And the time I get to spend with him, he has taught me a lot. He may not even realize it. And I love that man to death. You have Andoni Adoriz at Muguritz, which he, you know, if, if Ferran wasn't Ferran, I think Andoni would be Ferran. I think Andoni is one of the great chefs of all time hands down. And Muguritz is one of the most important, one of the most best, one of the best restaurants. And I think they created so many goddamn techniques. It's ridiculous. We sent a lot of cooks there to work over the years as well. Muguritz, you know, Basque Land Brewery is legit awesome. 
you know, you got the cider bars, you got the chuletas, which are just eating beef in San Sebastian is so good. The seafood, the only knock on San Sebastian is it can be a little touristy at times, but you just got to avoid it. I, I do. I crave the fucking shit out of vegetables. Canned white asparagus is not going to cut it, man. And I am not lying. I'll get a salad at McDonald's when I'm in San Sebastian. That's my hot tip. I'll literally be, I feel like I'm going to get gout. All I have done is consume meat. If you're on a carnivore diet, San Sebastian is the fucking best. I never crave vegetables, but I crave it when I'm there because there is nothing in sight. It feels like you're going to get scurvy. You know what I mean? But I, I do love it. I think Kevin and, and Maite and his family... Listen, San Sebastian is just a wonderful place, and I'm so grateful to have him in my life, and I'm, I'm uh, honored to have him on this podcast, and hopefully you guys can get a few tips about where to go because I promise you I'm going to make it to San Sebastian. I'm going to try in the next 12 months, and you guys should go there as well because it is that good. And I would probably plan a trip if you can get a reservation at Elcano, Elcano or Echabari. But Elcano to me is... That was the best meal I've ever had. One of the best meals. Um, we're going to talk about it with Kevin for sure. And that was when we had the gastronomic conference in 2009, 2010. I posted a picture on Instagram because I just found a photo from Ali Forbes, a journalist in Brazil. And I never knew there was a photo of that night. And I didn't want to eat at Elcano. Everybody was talking about Elcano, Elcano. And at that time, no one was even talking about Echabari. That was the grilling restaurant. And I did eat there and it was outstanding. You can eat so much food in San Sebastian that you just get blown out and you don't want to do it anymore. And after a week of just gorging myself on all kinds of seafood and jamon and delicious things left and right, the last thing I wanted to do was eat at a turbo restaurant. Sometimes you shouldn't listen to yourself because it was just one of the most magnificent meals. I, the laughter, Danielle Ballou trying to you know, serve everybody, the the cheese, the getting to see the kitchen. I was just blown away. They have a live, I don't even know how many liters, liter uh, fish tank is downstairs in the basement. It's massive. It feels like an ocean. So a lot of their shellfish, they keep live and just the storage of everything. It's just, you can't judge a book by its cover. And I think about that meal often. And every time I've eaten at Elcano, it has just blown me out of the water. And uh, the restaurant that Kevin's going to talk about where um, they cook directly on the grill, I always, that name always escapes me. Like, listen, all the, all the places are great. And I, I think you and I are, are debating, do we actually put a list out there? I don't know. I think that you should listen to the podcast and see what Kevin has to say. And maybe you have to slow it down one or two times. But I don't know if we're going to put a list out there. What do you think, you know? Should we? Should we not? I definitely think we should. But I think just uh, into the, a little bit into the future. Once we get more of these under our belt, for sure. Okay. All right. Well, I will shut up and let's get into our conversation with Kevin Patricio of Baskland Brewery and Baskland is a kind. Kevin, I was saying that besides Tokyo, I think the request I get right behind Tokyo is, hey, I'm going to San Sebastian. What do I do? Where do I go? You've been there how many years now? Uh, man, I moved over here 2011, so 12 years. Wow. Yeah, and, and the same thing. Like, it, there's, a, there's a point in, time in the year where all of a sudden my email blows up. It's like, hey, I'm coming to San Sebastian. I'm like, all right, here we go. Pull out the list. Let's share it, right? And, um, you know, in the past couple of years, I've, been, I've actually been able to update it. You know, when you came back in the day, it was like the same list over and over and over again. You know, 
Elcano, obviously, that's the that's the jewel in the crown. Arsac, Puerto Eche, Recondo, these places. And now there's been a proliferation these past couple of years, and it's really just a dynamic city. For me, it's the best it's ever been. And I've been coming here since the year 2000. I mean, are there any lists that you read about, about whether it's a Condé Nast Traveler or whatever, that actually nail San Sebastian? Because I don't think they do. I feel like tourists go to the same places and do the same tourist things. Yeah. And and that's just, lack of a better word, regurgitation of a lot of the same information. Look, the, the old guard has been here making the city great, like Juan Murdi, Pedro Subijana, since the 80s. A lot of people wrote on their coattails. And now, yeah, you look at these roundups and you're just kind of like, where, where are you? You know, you're just getting the same information. You're following the same old links. And, you know, in the past couple of years, like with the Bass Culinary Center that's now been here nearly, I think it's 10 years now, uh, graduates coming out of there, they're coming from around the world. They love it. They want to stay here and they make, they make their home here and they come out with some great restaurants. So it's like they miss it quite severely. Uh, in these roundups that you're seeing. So so what's the biggest mistake tourists make when they come there for the first time? I think thinking that there's genius on every corner because of the way people talk about San Sebastian. Oh, you can't have a bad meal there. Man, just like point and throw a dart. Like you're you're so wrong. I mean, it's just like anywhere. You, you It's like going to Chinatown and being like, oh yeah, every every restaurant here is great. No, you're going to get burned. So you got to do your homework. If you're going to come in the summertime, you got to wait in line. Where you guys, when it was 10, 2010, I think, I don't know if that was the last time you were here, but that was the time that we were together here, I think. Filming Mind of a Chef, you guys were in Gambara. Right. Gambara is still, for me, the best. COVID changed it a little bit. Now you can't, it's not that melee throng of people that just crowd the bar and then you just got to elbow your way in and get pinchos that they've changed that now to seating in that, in that little tiny bar. So you have to wait in line. It's that's a little bit of a, of a, but isn't the best place is, it, to deal with, isn't Gambara better downstairs than upstairs? I, I, that's for the seating experience. I like now, like the food is actually, I'm much more the same. You just get more of that pincho vibe upstairs, but you know, exceptional quality downstairs. It's a, it's a bit more formal, a bit more, you know, whole fish steak, things like that. And they opened another place. Well, what's it called? They opened another place recently. So, uh, Tamboril, which is right across the, the plaza, that, that big main square. So it's not even, it's maybe a hundred meters door to door, very much the same, um, cuisine, slight different vibe, but delicious. So that, that's kind of a, the go-to when Gambara is jammed. And how many pincho bars are there? No idea. How about hundreds, hundreds, right? Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. If there's say 500 pincho bars in San Sebastian, how many are actually good? I, I, of the ones that I, that I would go to, I would go to 10. Wow. And then there are uh, many that are, are above average and good. I mean, those are the ones that are excellent. And then there's, uh, you know, a lot of just buying, uh, prepared stuff and you know so 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 for for somebody that doesn't know and hate to be so so like rudimentary here what the hell is a pincho because i do think a lot of people are like i don't know what that is well uh they're kind of classified into two different things so a pincho is a basque word for like you know when you have like a toothpick and you you put food on it and then it's like this like little order that you eat off the stick the original one they call it the hilda which is the pickled gindia pepper, an olive, and an anchovy, you know, drenched in olive oil. And you get that great, like, salt, acid, umami punch. And you eat a thousand of them because they're just super light. So those are like the actual pinchos, where it's, so it's, it's like pinch, like it's pinchado, like it's skewered. Then there's the ones that are called like, like they're mounted montados, 
So those are the ones where like you have a piece of bread with like, and then same thing, like I'm going to say this a lot, anchovy, like marinated onions, parsley, a bit of mayonnaise, things like that as well. So the, and that ranges from, you know, a fried piece of, of hake on that with a little bit of aioli to, to ham and smoked salmon, whatever. Are most of the pincho bars, because I feel like when I go there, since I'm a tourist, I'm always like, wow, there's a lot of, there's always a lot of tourists there, but they're never like Americans. I don't know who they are. They're populating all these pincho bars that are not good, right? They're more tourist traps. They're, yeah, they're a bit of tourist trap. They're a bit of tourist traps. Oh, look, then that's going to happen in any city. But San Sebastian, you know, many years ago, it was not the easiest place to get to. It still isn't. You're like from New York or from LA or wherever you're going to come from, you're, you can't get here directly. So you're always going to have to connect in. Bilbao for the rest of Europe, though, is actually really quite accessible. So the vast majority, I, I never see Italians here. I ever, I will see Northern Europeans here. So uh, Dutch, Brits, French, because we're just 20 minutes from the French border, of course. And so those are the people who are coming here. And then there is a bit of, it's not Southern Spain, you know, it's, it's not that cheap tourist tourism typically. So there's a bit of already a little bit of a filtration process. But then once they get here, if you don't do your homework, you're going to get burned. If you don't make a reservation at a restaurant, you will not sit down and eat. And the same thing, <laughs> like you won't. And then you call and, and you go to a restaurant at eight when, they, when they're kind of setting for service. Hey, can I sit? And they're like, no, we're fully booked. And even you come back at 930 and there's still tables missing because they, they're not seating them until 10. You know, that's like the, the Spanish way of, of, of seating the restaurant. Like one table, one night, one turn, right? And you're just kind of, you will not get that, experience that you're looking for. And the same thing goes for the pincho bar. You have to do your homework. You have to brave the the humanity. You have to wait in line. And then you have to deal with the fact that these guys, those pincho bars are rammed. I mean, pre, pre-COVID, these guys were, and, 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 and it's come back. It's come back. With, it, you would never know notice that it skipped any beat whatsoever. And they're doing hundreds of people a night. So you're not, you're, you know, the Basque, the, the Basque waiter behind is not at at 10 30 at night when you walk in it's not gonna be like this smiling charming person he's like what do you want let me get to you and uh and that's that's the that's the basque pincho experience though like it's it's direct service it's not necessarily the warmest until they get to know you and then they become really 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 sweet but it's like that's like all right come in all right you want it you want the cider boom you want the you want the the wine they're gonna pour it from up on high to spill all over the bar that's it that's what you want it's authentic when i first went to san sebastian i think Wiley Dufresne was taking me around and all he was talking about was the giant goblets of gin and tonics. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I thought he was joking. Why is the gin and tonic so synonymous with San Sebastian and the giant goblets of, of gin and tonics as well? Right. Am I, am I wrong in thinking that? No, you're absolutely right. And, and I was surprised too, when I started coming here and I was like, yeah, what is this craze? It's the thing is it's a Spanish thing. This the gin tonic is a Spanish thing, but they do it the best here. And the thing is, like if you go to Madrid, typically you'll get this long tubular glass with like three ice cubes in it, and then they'll give you a scant pour of of gin, and then you've got to kind of fill up the tonic yourself. And the proportions are all wrong. And here they just figured out the proportion. And as Juan Marie said, he's like, Man, you just gotta jam that thing full of ice. More ice, less dilution. You're getting more of like this great 
the gin tonic fizziness and 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 deliciousness. And so it's this refreshing post dinner drink that everybody that everybody gets into. It, it, it got a little crazy a couple of years ago. It's 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 relaxed a little bit where they were like putting ridiculous garnishes in this in this drink. And you're like, man, I don't want fruit salad. I just want a gin tonic with like a little twist of lemon in it. Like that's that's it. That's the classic. But yeah, that that's still around. It's still around, and there's there is more to offer here now, um, and I think that people are are adopting that. But the gin tonic's not going anywhere. Just like the pincher's not going anywhere, or Basque cuisine's not going anywhere. Even though there's there's more non Basque places here in Sensei. I gotta say, the one thing that I struggle with when I am in San Sebastian is it's the only city in the world where when I'm about to leave, I'm like I can't wait to eat some vegetables. Yeah, man, uh, like. <laughs> I gave I, I gave a talk on this. I think it was 2012 or something. I think we were at the Terroir Symposium in Toronto, and, and I went on like a day or two after you. And I was talking about how just at that time I was working at um, Restaurant Lamadam from with my wife's family, and that I had I was doing as many vegetables as I can because people were coming like, "Oh my god, you have roasted vegetables! You have sa- you have a big salad! Fantastic! I can finally go to the bathroom." And it's the culture is hey, if I'm going to go out to eat. I'm not going to eat vegetables. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a steak. I'm going to have a whole fish, like a special, more like celebratory meal. And that's changing too. That you're able to find that now. There are a couple of really good all vegetarian restaurants. You're going to see that at a bunch of places like that are, you know, not necessarily the classic Basque Asadors. There's, there's, you know, places like, and I'm, I'm hopefully your listeners want to take, take some notes, you know, like we, there's where I used to work. Uh, my wife's restaurant, so restaurant Lamadam. There's Bistro Ondoreta, which is now like kind of French, ba- like we're 20 minutes from the French border. So t- it goes to France to get his vegetables, has more vegetables on the menu. Like there's a great sushi restaurant here now that's finally taking note, that's that's using local fish that's doing a great thing called Kai Sushi. And then like places like Gerald's, which is another like Basque Bistro type of place. And so you you can get some really great product. And great Ger- Gerald's Bar, which which is from Australia. Yeah, you you've been to Gerald's Bar down in, uh, in Melbourne. In Melbourne, yes, yeah, yeah. Gerald came here. Gerald came here. Um, I don't want. I want maybe a decade ago, and he was like, "Man, I love this city. I want to open a place." Opened it, and now it's being run by a lovely uh, British lady named Bella. And uh, Jess Lariga was American chef. She was uh, she was from Buffalo, and they're killing it. They have great. They have great great cuisine. But that area, so gross, G R O S. So you know the Parque Vieja. That's where all like the the concentration of the pinchos bars are. Then across the river, where like the, the big cubes are, like next to the beach, is a, is the area called Gross. Gross is like the Brooklyn of San Sebastian, and that's where the proliferation of bars, the the, the main proliferation of bars and restaurants are happening. That's where I have Basque Sakaya. So we're doing Asian bar food, and it's and people come in there, they love it because they're like, oh, I get a I get a change, change of pace from the norm. So what I saw, I swear, was it 2016, 2017? You didn't mention you were going to open up a restaurant. When did that happen? Well, um, so so yeah, so quick quick chronology. I came in 2011, worked at Lamadam. There we had great food, great wine, great cocktails. But I I was missing a key ingredient for the experience, which was beer. So we just decided to make beer, and it was like, how hard can it be? Apparently, it's pretty damn hard. But <laughs> but it's still it, that's the, uh, that's Baskland. And then in 2020, we opened Baskland Isakaya, which was you know what are we going to open a pinchos bar? And it's like the last thing San Sebastian needs is another pinchos bar. And you know I remember like we were sitting 
having a steak after I think your presentation at Gastronomica years ago. And you're like, man, I could use a vegetable. Man, I could use like some dumplings right now. And you know, that's what we serve. We serve just wontons and <laughs> ramen and um, you know, the kind of like Asia's greatest hits. And so like people come in and they're just they're they just like, man, I just I need that fix. After, and it's not if you're here for a weekend, you don't need to come and eat that food or I'm not gonna send you to a non-bass place, but but you, if you come in for a weekend, you're gonna hit you know gambata. If you can get in Elcano, which is just fantastic, Porto Eche, I think you went there as well, which is kind of like Doc Brown's house. It's like there's things have have grown all around it, and, and there's still this 15th, 16th century farmhouse is still there serving whole fish and chuletas. But yeah, and then um, in 2020 March. 2020, right as COVID hit, oh shit! We we, we opened the we signed the lease, opened the bar, and closed the bar a week later. I was sitting there uh, with a mask on, with the window open, with the refrigerator beer behind me, doing my work, selling beer out the front, just keep, keeping cash flow going, keeping people drunk and happy. Can Americans get Basque land here in the states? They cannot, not yet, and and I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. You guys have a lot of great craft breweries over there. We do, but but your beer is tremendous. It's delicious. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I, I know you have a certain profile that you like. <laughs> I know. You always give me shit. No, no, no. But No, man. We, we make 25% of our productions lager. So crisp, yellow, fizzy. You don't want to think about it. And then we have like, you know, the crazy stuff that the, uh, the enthusiasts go for, we say. And, I, and, and look, I, like I, <laughs> I, you, uh, you're drinking an athletic right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. That's great stuff. And, and, and you know, we're, we're trying to get into that space right now. Over here, Spain is the number one largest consumer of non-alcoholic beer. So, wow, per capita. You've been there. I mean, for so many years, you've been traveling there before you lived there. And I haven't been in, I don't know, six years. But every time I go there, it didn't seem like it changed that much, right? You know, some new places here or there. um, Some chefs might have expanded a restaurant or two. So in your opinion, it's a completely different city in a lot of ways. Um, say twenty years ago. Look, San Sebastian's always gonna be San Sebastian. You're gonna you're gonna have your like like your retirees who are here who are walking down the street in their in their chapelas, which are like the beret, like the Basque beret, gruff and they go up and have their wine at ten in the morning, and they come back and they have their their aperitivo, and then like it's that's not gonna change. It's it San Sebastian's not gonna be any less Basque. And no one should be worried about that. Um, I think sometimes some locals do worry about that. But yeah, man, it's changed. It's it, it, in the sense of you now have, get ready for it, artisanal coffee, also one of your favorites. Uh, <laughs> so you have a, uh, get two roasteries here now. You got a handful of those. You got some really cool, interesting wine bars. Now, when we talk about the wine bars, I, I, I'm not going to go down the natural route, but I'm talking about just good uh, quality, uh, whether it's natural or not, wine bars. And when you would walk into a place here before, it was all the same stuff. Didn't tell your brand, what do you want? Crianza or Reserva or Del Año, right? Which is like, so fresh, a little wood, a lot of wood. And now you're getting like, that, that's, and that's a big sea change for this town. On the beverage, obviously, now we have craft beer. You see uh, like more cocktail bars as well. And then on the restaurant side, I can name three very good Mexican or Mexican-influenced restaurants like Cachupa by Bruno Teza, Ere from O'Brien Lujo and his wife, Ana Lore. So it's just literally the letter R. He's from Mexico. She's from the Basque country. It's a great marriage of the two cultures. Then you have these guys that, these kids that are, these kids, you know, I'm 48. They're in their late 20s um, who are graduating from the Basque Culinary Center. 
And they're like, hey, I'm from here and I wanted to make something great. Or I'm not from here and I graduated and I love it here. I'm not going to move it, but I'm going to bring something in my culture. So like my sous chef, so I have my, my head who's Alejandra Damila. She's from Peru and her second is from India. Then you have these other guys who are opening like from the area, Ama Taberna, which is just outside of San Sebastian in Tolosa. These guys are killing it. Restaurant, a place that I would take you to as well, Restaurant Naru. Now that's very Basque, but they ha- they are bringing in some other, I don't want to say like not fusion at all. So like that's the wrong word for it, but some other techniques and they're, they're, they're just doing a great job. That's a little bit more fun in the, on the finer dining side. And man, I'll pass you a list of, the, of this stuff. But yes, it's it's changed in that sense. And you can go out, you can have a great meal, whether it's Basque or not Basque, for a pretty non-expensive bill. Man, I, I have so many things I want to uh, touch here. Uh, but before I lose track on this, how how is my favorite person in the world, Juan Marie, doing? He's good. He's uh, just on the, the long side of 80. He's still kicking it. I wasn't able, my wife was able to eat there um, about a month ago for her brother-in-law's birthday. And I, I wasn't able to go, but he was, he's, he's still kicking it, you know, but uh, as you get older and then you spend a life on his feet, you know, he's slowing down, but happily makes my heart happy to know he's still here. Uh, I love that man to death. Would you agree that when people ask me, Oh, what's it like? I always tell them it's feels like a city in Northern California, like Monterey or something like that. Right. In terms of the weather, would you agree? Yeah. I've been to Monterey too much, but I mean, it rains quite a bit here. So you have the, the topography, yes, is right. So you have sea that goes right into jagged cliffs and rocks, the misplaced beach here and there. Very green because it rains quite a bit. When it's sunny, it's absolutely spectacular. But you need to be ready when you come here for, for rain. I mean, I'm looking out the window right now. It's raining. And uh, <laughs> But like even in the summertime, I've this past July, then it's not to scare people away. It's just to give you a warning. It rained 26 days in July. So, is that, but is it raining all day? No, no, no. And it's not raining all day, yeah. but uh, like it, it, it'll, it'll be overcast. Then all of a sudden, like most gorgeous day you've ever seen back to raining back to like, we're facing North Atlantic. We're looking right up England skirt right here. It's straight up North Atlantic. Holy shit. I'm thinking to myself right now, of all the times I've been there, I think it's rain like every time. But I never even like noticed. There's been a couple sunny days I've had there. No, there is. There is. I have a photo of you on a sunny day. So, so they do exist. They do yeah. exist. But if, if you do come next time, you do come. I I, I recommend September, October, June yeah. to August. It's it's great for business to live here as a local. It's not the best experience at that point in time. But you just got to take it for what it is. I mean, like what you love in the city wouldn't exist without that uh, that injection of tourism. But Come September, October, the throngs leave, and you're going to get the best weather those two months. Like we we have September, yeah, October. ma'am. We we especially early October. I think it's like the best the best time of year here. It's you can go where you you can get reservations. You can walk in any features bar. It's beautiful out. The beach isn't packed. That's that's a great time. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. The other question I get is, where do I stay, right? Well, a, a, man, a man of your means, a man of your means, you should be staying at the Mira Cristina, Starwood property. Right, which is, the, which is the nicest hotel in 
San Sebastian. Yeah, right. I mean, like on the on the upper end where you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pay, and it's gonna be wonderful. Would be the, the Maria Cristina, Via Favorita. I mean, you're talking maybe four figures a night for one of those places, but absolutely stunning. There's a two mission star restaurant in the Amelia down in the basement of that restaurant. I'm sorry, of that hotel. That's next to uh, the Landres on the La Concha Beach. So you have your higher end, then you have like just a little bit off that. So instead of like the $4 signs, the $3 signs are going to be Hotel Londres, La Sala Plaza. Hotel Arbaso is really, really nice. That's the one in mid, in the, in, I say midtown, I'm in the center of town. And that's where Naru is, N-A-R-R-U, which is a great restaurant. And that's fantastic hotel. A lot of my friends have stayed there. Then, you know, you have your Airbnbs. Like if you want to be a local for a week, there's great markets around town. You can, after you do your pinchos, after you do your, the restaurant, you want to cook a little bit there so you can do your airbnb or there's also feel free rentals which is like right across the street from our bar so i I, i'm happy to plug them all the time because i've i've sent friends over there and they've had great experiences and again for for travel you're going to fly into bilbao and that's what uh how long is the drive is that an hour one hour 45 minutes one hour yeah um yeah but you you could fly into san sebastian it's just typically a little bit more expensive for the convenience of it and then you're 25 minutes from downtown Right. I think I've always flown into Bilbao. You go to Charles de Gaulle, go to Bilbao. Yeah. And that's your that's your day. Yeah. I think we probably need to come up with a list of the pincho bars and the do's and the don'ts. But it's funny that the 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 two restaurants that are on everyone's lips whenever they are talking about San Sebastian is Echabari and Elcano. And they're always like, How do I get in? Or how why can't I get in? And I'm like, it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not going to happen. You, you, you have. You have to be very, very forward thinking about this. And like Alcano, when when I, what the first time you went was 2010. I think that was. It was around that time when we were filming. Nine, nine, nine or time. nine or ten. Yeah. And um, and that was like that was well, you. You ate there. You ate there too, right? That night. Yeah. You, yeah. You you, yeah. Yeah. You guys were up in the mezzanine. And then uh, the rest of our us peons were down. No, uh, no, it was it was a big it was a big astronomic thing. So like like they had sat. I think you, uh, Wiley, and Bourdain. Yeah. yeah, you guys were all you guys were up, up in the, that little mezzanine, and then um, we were all down. But I remember just talking to you. I'm like, oh, dude, you, you were gonna you were gonna shit can that night. You're like, I'm tired. I don't want to go. Like, yeah, how, how, I didn't want to go. How good can it be? And I'm like, you have you have to just come. Trust me, you have to go. And um, and everybody was like, you have to go to the turbo turbo spot, but. It was funny at that time, Kevin, America, and I would say outside of San Sebastian, it wasn't on the par of, say, Echabari. And even then, Echabari was still like, that's the grilling restaurant. You know what I mean? The Lennox was still working there, but it wasn't well known, right? Elcano was not even known to anybody in America. It was literally under the radar, it, like not even a blip. Right. And, and, and I only went for the first time because I got here and, and my wife's father's friend was like, Oh, you got to go there. And we went, we squeezed, they squeezed us in. This was like in 2006, 2007. And I'm like, Oh my God, what the hell did I just do? What, 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 what experience did I just have to the point where whenever we would come back for Christmas or something prior to moving here, my wife would go see her friends and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to Alcano. She's like, by yourself. I'm like, by, <laughs> by myself. And I'd sit there for, for four hours by myself. And yeah, when, after your experience, you're just like, what the, what the hell was, was that? And they, they just nail it. It's, you know, so for the listeners, like you're, for Pablo Vicari, 
and he was the chef, the head chef of Alcano, and Aitor Aregi, who is the proprietor. And then Nico Boaz, who came from Muguritz, he's, he has just dominated that wine list now. And it's just fantastic. Like all small producers, I mean, not all, but um, some small producer stuff you'll never find. And he's given it to you at a, at a song. But that best pro- the best product you could possibly ever find in the seafood realm. I mean, I was sitting there one time with my niece and nephew and, and people were fishing chiperones at the port and bringing them up and selling to them. They were still respirating and changing colors. Like it was an amazing product. And then they just hit it on the grill perfectly with... With, they call it the uh, agua the agua de lordes, the water of lords, which is just this. If you taste it, you just dip your finger without any fish or anything. You're like, this isn't much of anything. It's just a neutral oil with a what I they, they don't reveal the recipe. A neutral oil with a little bit of cider vinegar, like maybe a drop of lemon, maybe, and like I think infused with a little bit of like infused with raw garlic, just infused like. But you taste it, it's like this is nothing. And then with the fish and the fat and the salt. It just comes, it, it becomes a thing greater than some of its parts. And you just want to drink that whole, that wholesale. It's amazing. Right. And, the, and so what you're going to have there is like your chipirones. So like the little squids or depending on the season, bigger squids off the grill, cochas, which is the jowl of the, Throats. of the merluza. And then the, the thing that they're most well known for is the turbo grilled with the, just the, that sauce that I mentioned. And you just, you suck the bones dry and you're just sticky and full of gelatin and you're happy. But just like you said, you got, you have to call ahead. You have to think, have to plan your trip around it because it's not going to be like, Oh, I have Tuesday open. I'll just go to Elcano. Like, no, you're not. And, 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 no, yeah. and I, I think you just said the important thing. You, you, you have to plan your trip around a reservation and it's that good. And I'd say that people always ask Elcano is my favorite restaurant in the world, right? It's the meal that I want to eat at. It's the meal that I think about actually all the time. I love that restaurant and I'm so glad that you convinced me to eat there that night because that would have been the dumbest miss of all time had I not gone. Because the simplicity of that, I encourage everybody, if you give a shit about food and if you have the the means or if you should save up to go there, especially if you're a young cook, like you got to find a way just to see how this restaurant does it because it's just inspiring, man. I, I love it to death. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, at your body, I, I have not cracked that code years ago. What we would land in Bilbao and be like, hey, do you just want to stop off in Echibari on the way to the San Sebastian and have lunch? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And you walk in and you get it. Now it's like, you got you to gotta really go months and months in advance to, to make that happen. It used to be easy to get a reservation, especially a lunch reservation. Now forget it. They're, they're still great. It's still the great, the, the same experience of, you know, the, the waitresses are still gruff. The space is, has not changed very much. The food is as, as good as ever. I, I was able to go about a year ago. But the people who want to check that box on their list, you know, like a top 50 restaurant, like, and, and, and I think Echavari is now a top 10, if I'm not mistaken. This is like, cra- right? this is like crazy to me. <laughs> uh, it, it's insane. And, 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 and they, they, from a food perspective, they absolutely deserve it. But then that people yes. are like, like, like they go and they're like planning to eat out again that night. And you're like, I don't think you understand what you're doing. Here's another, it's pro, <laughs> here's a pro tip. Don't have two big meals in a day. That's what pink shows are for. Like have a big lunch. And then at night, if you feel like you want to have something, go out and have a little bite or whatever. Like, but if you're jamming a Chibari in and then another big Michelin star meal at night, you're just going to hate life. That, 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 I, I can't do that anymore. Another thing that I don't think Elcano gets enough credit for, not Elcano, excuse me, I'll talk about Elcano in a second, Echibari. I think it's one of the most beautiful restaurant locations I've ever been to in my life. It is stunning. I think that where it's situated in the valley, 
again, I don't think I'll ever get a chance to eat there ever again because <laughs> it's just too fucking hard. But I'm glad that I've been there a couple times for sure. Going back to Elcano quickly, there's something about eating the turbo that what is the proper protocol that a lot of people may not know? What side do you eat first? Oh, well, um, all right. So the way it comes out. So this is, if you're not familiar with turbo or here, it's called Rotobayo. It's, it's, I wouldn't say the king of the fat, fat fish. It's, the, I think, it's the most flavorful of the flatfish. But, uh, you know, like it looks like a, a flounder, uh, I should say a sole on steroids, not as massive as a halibut. So you're going to get this bottom flatfish and the top side looking to the sky, looking to the surface is gray because it needs to blend in with the sand. And then the bottom belly is white, right? So tip, uh, if you're lucky enough to have Itor and come and explain this to you at your table, he's going to say that the, Meat on the top is a little bit tougher, tough, relatively speaking. It's not tough, but it's tougher, a little bit more meaty. It's a little bit more flavorful, even maybe almost a little bit more bitter. And this is, we're talking like very, very, very small degrees of, of difference. And then on the belly, like anything, the belly is going to be a little bit more fatty, a little bit more tender, a little bit more flavorful. I tend to like the belly meat more. That pretty much goes with any animal, um, but especially with this one. So then they're going to take this, they're going to throw it on the grill, just a little bit of oil to start, a little bit of salt, and it's going to get blistered on the outside. Like the skin's going to get these beautiful, uh, almost like leoparding on a pizza. Those are the best freaking parts of the entire fish, right? So then what's going to happen is that fish is going to come to your table drenched in the agua de lourdes, the water of lords. And then they're going to put a little bit of belly meat the white side meat, and a little bit of the dark skin meat on your plate with a little bit of the outside. And the outside are those pin bones that just uh, on the perimeter of the um, of the fish that are just, it's fat, crunchy bits because it, it's been uh, caramel uh, or kind of dry roasted on the grill. It's gelatin and, and that. And you're just going to munch on those for some texture. Then after you eat those with your knife and fork, sorry, you eat the, the fillets with your knife and fork and you eat that with your fingers, then it's, you know, free game. You got to get into the head. I tour would open the head for you and find like little morsels of head meat, the cheek, the, the ventresca, like the, like the top part of the, 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 the cogote, what do you call it? The collar. So you're eating all that stuff and you, you have to suck every bone dry. And at the end, your fingers are like, you know, like you can't pull them apart and and that's <laughs> you're just you're just hot you're high from it very high from it the entire day it's it's an amazing experience i've seen people not wanting to eat the skin are they missing out <laughs> idiots <laughs> <laughs> it's the best it's the best part no, because look when when they're cooking it when they're cooking it they're not seasoning from the inside out you can't do that like if you only eat what's underneath the skin you're missing the you're missing the the, the seasoning you're not getting the salt you're not getting that that nice touch of uh, the additional gelatin, the additional fat, and the texture. I, I think then just don't go because you're, you're you're taking you're taking space away from somebody who should really be enjoying it. If people ask me, and I hate the question, well, what's the last thing you want to eat on this planet? That's definitely always my answer because that dish haunts me. It is so tactile. It is a, like a there's nothing that comes close to having that experience for me because. As you said, it's a little bit of fork and knife, but then you're eating it like it's barbecue. And I, I just don't know how you, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, completely agreed, man. And, and <clears throat> I think that's why I love that restaurant so much too. Not not because, of course, because of the food, but also because it's so familial. Uh, like like I, I, at one point we were going after a bike ride. I'm like, hey, do you guys, like, is there a place for us to change? Because we're going to come a little bit sweaty, whatever. And they're like eating your 
biking pants that whatever like we don't care and they don't they they're, they're just happy to have you there and they're they're so wonderful that it just feels like you're walking you're eating someone's living room and it just happens to be the best fish in the, in the world so yeah we're, we're, we're i'm lucky to have it down the street I, I try to get there i don't get there as much as, as often as i used to with three kids and ton of work but i try to get there as often as possible how old are your kids now 14 11 and 8 and Lu- Lucas is, is Elcano is Lucas's favorite restaurant. That little, wow, yeah, he does. He does. I mean, three boys. My God, my wife wants a third. I don't know what's going to happen there. I I'm very happy the third one is here. But after that, I <laughs> I, 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 I rant. I, I, after that, I'm like ten fingers, ten toes. Okay, Doc, let's go. No more. But I, I appreciate you, Kevin, telling us the you know the, your San Sebastian. Is there anything we're missing? So we talked about we talked about eating. Um, we talked about eating. So the the other thing is like and this is just a personal preference. Like when I go somewhere, like I I I do go for I make my itinerary around the food. But there are other things. And and for here, one thing that I love about it, one reason why I I moved here, one reason why I'll stay for forever possibly is the the beautiful beach. Right there's swimming. Fishing, like I, I really try to stay active. Hiking, biking, and then really the community itself. They've been so welcoming to a foreigner like me. I remember when I got here, and I was thinking, like, okay, well, again, last thing San Sebastian needs right now is for a guy to come in from New York and and do fast food. So I I did different stuff, and and I was having trouble finding a lot of the ingredients, including as you mentioned, good vegetables. Like I'm like it's August, I can't find a good tomato. And Andoni Adoris from Mugaritz was like, yeah, dude. Go to San Jean de Luz Market in France. You'll find whatever you need. And it was like, oh, man, fantastic. So like they have been very welcoming. And I think probably the, the, the thing that I love the most about here is, and this, again, my experience has been that it's very egalitarian in the sense that like you're at a bar. I was say there was one bar with a couple of friends, Pinchos Bar. We didn't, we, we didn't get to pay for a drink. And we had like three rounds of drinks and rounds of Pinchos. And some, some guys like, hey, I got that round. Another guy's like, hey, I got that round. And like another group of people, I, Kevin, I got that round. And they're like, who's that? I'm like, well, that's the butcher. That's my butcher. That's the mayor. And they're like, wait, your butcher and the mayor are in the same bar? And I'm like, yeah, man, like that's that's the way we do it here. And my buddy's like, my butcher would never be caught dead in the same bar as me. Um, so, it, but it's like, I like how everybody commingles. They they coexist. There is, it's a small town, 180,000 people. I stick out like a sore thumb here. And like people are like, Kevin, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I default to the to the main basket. Now I'm like, Indigo. Hey, good to see you. And they're like, don't think you know my name, but it's okay. Uh, no, but it's a very tight knit community and it's just been, been great living here and, and I love it. And I, I'm glad I can talk a little bit about it with you. Listen, that last trip, I, I, I was, you, you know, you took me around and you showed me a little bit of your, your spots. And I got to say, uh, next time I'm there, I'm definitely going to have to go with you again. But do you remember that restaurant we went to? Where we had that long treatise by the the cook, yeah, but he was cooking. What was the name of that restaurant? Uh, Shishari, Shishario with a with an X I X A R I O, and he was talking shit about everything and everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he 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 wasn't shy. He wasn't shy. Oh, but but in his in his way, like what they do is they do basugo. Which is the uh, red bream? Um, they, they specialize in that, and they, 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 you know, they look at Alcano and they're like, "Oh, they use baskets, pussies." <laughs> like they, they just do it with like the like a, the spatula, and they, they have their grill that's just coated in nonstick 
fish fat from 40 years old. And then they hit it with that big dose of vinegar and then the refried garlic oil mixture. That's that's as down home as down home can get. That's that's one town over from where we are. But that meal was phenomenal as well. Right. And they just like wheeled out that charcoal, you know, grill. I was like, wow, this is just it's a kind of eating and a kind of cooking that you just don't get in America. You'll never get in America. I asked this question though, is, is it, would the Americans accept this style of food? Like, it's like pincho bars never really made it. Like it just, the, the culture, I don't know, the culture wouldn't, they wouldn't accept it or people couldn't replicate. There is, some, there's a, a restaurant called Brat in London. I'm sure you've seen it. Like they're unabashedly, they're like, yeah, we rip off Alcano. Like that's our inspiration and you can tear us down, but if we're going to emulate somebody, we're going to emulate them. But is there anybody in the States that's doing this? No. Nothing. Well, first of all, again, it's a lot of the turbo, for example, that people sell is just the farm raised stuff from like the UK. They're not getting the wild stuff that Alcano gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just thinking about Alcano, if you go downstairs to their cold storage there, it's probably the most state-of-the-art f- fish refrigeration system I've ever seen, right? Uh, when I say state-of-the-art, it's low-tech, but it's so well done. It's like everything makes fucking sense. I just in the whole process of how they store, you know, handle food, it's just on another level. Same even with Echabari. I just, I think that people want to embrace it, but that cooking is not easy to do, right? To do well is really fucking hard. And I don't think anybody in America can do it well because we don't have access to that kind of ingredient. I don't think we ever will. Mm. What you should be able to do eventually is, or, uh, is look at what you, what you have at your, at your hands, like at your fingertips. So, so, so those guys are part of a restaurant. I, I don't know the, the, the breakout of it. I do know Pablo goes down to uh, Cadiz and they have, they're part of a restaurant called Cataria. So Cataria is where Elcano is located and there's a restaurant down called Cataria. So they're part of it. I don't know what, what specific way, but they go down there and they use Jandori and they, the, and they use that instead of the, uh, of the Rodabayo or the, the Turbo. And it becomes very much a similar experience. I haven't, I haven't been, I've had it I, I know that fish very well, and I know I can see why it would work. But I mean, we have to think: like, if you're on the North Fork of Long Island, or you're on Long Island, like, you don't think you can find the right fish to grill over coals? And uh, right? No, I mean, I think trigger trigger fish is delicious. I, I do think that it could be like that, but I still think that kind of cooking, the way it's done, it's the same thing. Where I feel like you're never going to get that kind of grill cooking you'd get from Istanbul as well, right? I just feel like we're never going to get there. The closest person to do that in America was with Josh Keen's at Saison, but that that wasn't very fish oriented. I mean, yes, it was. He'll get mad at me for saying that. Josh would get very mad at me for saying that. But um, I don't want to say never, but I just feel like it's too pure for us to appreciate here in America. And I don't know if we have the expertise to do it because, as you said, the guys that are making those foods, that they've been doing it for so long. Yeah, so much of it's tactile, some of it of its touch. I tore the so the son, so it was his father who started it, and then I tore took it over when his his, his dad passed on, and he knows the fish so well. I mean, like there was one time I went and he goes, "How was fish?" I'm like, "Yeah, it was good." And and he mentioned something and he's like, "I think I gave it to you too fresh. I didn't let it rest." long enough. And I was still, you know, a, a nine out of 10, but he's like, it could have been better. 
right? And and that's what you're talking about when you're saying, oh, it's low tech, but it's an amazing refrigeration and and fish cons- uh, conservation unit that they have, which is like right temperature. They 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 get the best product. They know like that by touch and feel and look that fish isn't ready to cook yet. Move on to something else. Come back to it. And that is just a that comes with time and knowledge. That's Jedi. That's Jedi Master stuff. Yeah. And then to have the touch on the seasoning, the heat on the grill, the sauce, and not overdo it. And and the, a huge thing is just the confidence to not overdo it. I think a lot of times a, a restaurant anywhere here or there is like I'm not doing enough to please the customer or to express my whatever personality on the plate. And it's like no, just. Don't express anything. Like, don't express your person. Just make that fit, and that's what Elkhorn knows. They make that fish the best way they can possibly make it. I mean, I think it's telling that even like an Australia Fire Door is much more of a an outpost to some degree of Echibari. And let it, I mean, it's it's an amazing restaurant. I think it's still the best steak I've ever had in my life, and everything's cooked over fire there. But I think that Elcano and eating a whole fish in that regard, especially in America, I still think people don't want to see a fish head. They don't want to touch it. They don't want to get their fingers sticky with gelatin it's an it's an experience that will always remain foreign to most of america i think and i will say that i've had turbo at restaurants here and it just never just doesn't you know it's 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 like mls soccer man. <laughs> without without messing <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I, yeah i i think that's that's the other part of it the market um as much as they say they want it they don't want it yeah yeah. Getting your fingers dirty and like pulling bones out of your mouth isn't necessarily what the general consumer wants. I, I, I will, I'll take it any, any day of the week, but, um, but I'm not, I'm not Joe Schmo either. And so it's like being able to have that and the culture that fosters that here and that we revolve around eating, we revolve around going out and eating in the street and, and being, it's being, it's pretty irreverent in that respect. I think there are the, the, the formal moments about what you, the do's and don'ts of eating, but being unabashedly hungry and eating and sucking on a, on a, a fish head is absolutely not one of them. I mean, fish throats is not something that's ever going to, you know, take off in America. <laughs> Just- not gonna work yeah man i, I know i've had people who are like hey i'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm going all kind of that's my second time can you ask them not to give me any of the fish throats i'm like no i'm not gonna do that i'm not i'm not i'm not real i'm not relaying that information to anybody well kev I, i've had you for an hour uh your your day is just getting started what time is it there right now 8 30 yeah we can't we can't keep you much longer what are you working on uh in san sebastian can uh when people visit san sebastian can they visit the brewery oh yeah are you guys doing tours yeah, the brewery is open to the public. So Basque Land Brewing, we're located about one town out. It's like a 10-minute ca- ta- taxi ride or a quick bus ride. And we're open to the public from 5 to 10, Wednesday through Saturday. And then our tap room is in Gross, which is just like the Brooklyn, like re- really close to the beach. It's called Basque Land Isakaya, spelled I-Z-A-K-A-I-A, instead of the Y-A, like a, a traditional Japanese Isakaya. Yeah, but you'll, you'll find Basque Land all over town. By the way, do you need, if you're visiting for the first time, should you rent a car? It's not necessary. Um, I, if you're coming for a weekend, you know, there's no need to have a car. Parking is a total pain in the ass, uh, number one. And then if you're just going to stay in town, it's absolutely walkable. If you're staying for a week, maybe rent a car uh, to, to go shoot off into French Basque Country or get off into the mountains in the interior or go go off to you know past El Cano and and down the coast it's beautiful even 
just to get to the restaurant, just take a taxi because parking everywhere is just a total, you don't want to deal with it. And anything else, anything else you wanted to talk about? No, dude. I mean, like when are you come out here, like it's, it's, it's been, I know I'm, uh, it's been too long. We, we moved so far away from San Sebastian. That's the problem. Yeah. You're in LA. <laughs> we moved to California. So that, that's when I last saw you, we didn't have any kids. Yeah. You're, you're in it. How old are the boys now? Four and two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm past that. Yeah. I, I can, yeah. I can almost <laughs> leave my kids at home with uh, the, the eldest and be like, Hey, I can actually go and do stuff. This is nice. But I'm but, uh, many years away from that. I have to say, man, uh, this is a great town for kids. Like, like, you know, for it just, if you did want to escape one, it's just small, it's walkable. It, it's everywhere. It's kid friendly. So I'm promising next 12 months. We're going to, I'm going to bring the family out there. We're going to do it. Yeah, man. I'll let you know for sure. By the way, Raven's looking really good. They are looking very good. I'm not going to say, say anything. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to jinx it, man. Like, like, I think they're going to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be Chiefs, Chiefs versus Ravens in the in the in the AFC. If it's Chiefs Ravens, I think Ravens really have a shot to win the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to be Ravens, Ravens, Eagles. Even though the Eagles are puttering. So we have a Mid Atlantic Super Bowl. Yeah, Yeah, man. How and uh, yeah, Um, Commanders. So let's not go there. No, but we don't. No, no, you know. It's, I, I'm well, happy not, that you're, listen. I'm happy that, that you, no, uh, dude, I respect people who, who, who follow teams their entire life. Like it's been really hard. It's been really hard. We could have, uh, yeah. I'm just jealous of the Ravens. You guys have had a model organization for many years. We knocked on the door that be, imagine that frustration. You knock on the door, you can be proud of your season, but then how many times have we been in the AFC championship, not made it? Yeah, but you don't suck. You don't suck. We don't suck. Anyway, this is definitely not what people want to hear. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. We'll have you. Uh, maybe, maybe when I'm out there, we'll we'll do one. Uh, we'll do a podcast in San Sebastian proper. But um, when are you coming out to LA? When's the next time? Have, come on, dude. I have no clue. I, actually, I, my one of my kids is like, I want to go to LA. Bosco, he says he wants to go see. He's the youngest. He wants to see the Hollywood sign. So, Just yeah, yeah. stay with That's us. That's easy. All right, all right. Yeah, Done deal. Sure. Done deal. Appreciate it. All right, man. We'll let you get on with your day. Great talking to Thanks, you. Kevin. Take care, guys. We're partnering with Audi on a new segment, Progress You Can Feel. The fully electric Audi Q8 e-tron brings true craftsmanship and stunning performance to your journey with fast charging capabilities and impeccable design. Audi knows that how we get there matters. So here's a story of how I got here. Travel is so important to, I think, understanding the world culturally in every facet and particularly food and getting to travel the world has completely enriched me in, in all kinds of food ways. But what it has done is it allowed me to see that my personal belief that wherever you are in the world with, you know, with, with some exceptions to the rule, right. That are culturally created. I think that left to our own devices without any interference, we will eventually try to all make the sort of same kinds of foods. If we have the same kind of ingredients and the same kind of sort of um, culinary techniques, when I finally got to make it to Turkey, and spend time in Istanbul not too long ago, like about seven years ago, a lot of things unlocked to me. And you can break food cultures really into two kinds of baking. One, that is bread that is cooked in an oven. So you slide in the bread in a horizontal fashion and it, it, it sort of rises or 
yeah, actually most of it rises in a leavened way and others are flatbread, whether they're griddled or put in a tandoor oven or an underground oven, and it's much more a flatbread. So in a lot of ways, how we make bread in the world is, is sort of divided geographically speaking. And I began to see that bread, particularly flatbread, was something that was prevalent throughout Asia and throughout the Middle East. And you can even see it, I guess, even though it's not necessarily wheat, you can see that in South America as well and, and in Latin America. So although they do have leavened bread as well, but you know, you could see Bing. When I went to Northern China for the first time many years ago, I, I was perplexed as to why there was more bread consumed than rice or noodles because there's wheat everywhere. The Korean bang, right? That's the name for bread and hot dog and all of these yeasted doughs that came from China. And if you go through out Southeast Asia and to India, clearly there has been a lot of cross-pollination in foods with rotis and paratas and just flat breads in general. So without having a full understanding of how that all happened, clearly to me, there's some connection to that. And the breads that I think are eaten in Korea have some similarities to the breads that are eaten in Turkey. They may look very different, but if the world is sort of divided, at least baking wise, in a horizontal oven and one that is sort of in an underground fashion or griddled, I began to think that maybe there are more similarities than not. And as crazy as it is, I began to think that, wait a second, there's a lot more similarities to Korean food and, and Turkish food than I, I, I thought was possible. So dokkalbi is minced Korean short rib that was originally created for the kings many years ago. And it's so they didn't have to chew their, their, with their teeth. And it's a delicious form of kalbi, but it's mincemeat. It's, it's ground beef and it's basically a kebab, right? So they, they form it and they might wrap it back onto the bone and then grill it again. So that got me to think, huh, I really do need to make it to Istanbul to see the, 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 the kebab culture, how, how they grill meats. And lo and behold, as uh, as I got to spend time there and eat my way through that city, not all of it, it's an incredibly dense, amazing city. So much of their meat culture, how they consume meat, and it is a meat culture, as consumed in a communal fashion. Very similar to Korean barbecue to me, where you have the the, the bread or some kind of lavash or something that is soaking the, the, the skewered meats that get put tableside. And all the meze and all the different sauces and condiments are all spread out very similar to Korean food. In fact, not only was I thinking that this is very similar to Korean food or vice versa, and it doesn't matter which came first, but it also reminded me of eating like asada barbecue. There, there's something about eating Mexican food, at least grilled grilled meats, where you have a tortilla and you have a salsa and you have, again, completely different flavor profiles. But when you start to think about it, the shawarma uh, really it was the genesis of the pastor taco. So maybe it's not that crazy when you start to think about how similar all these food cultures are. Anyway, you you really can't understand it unless you you go to these places, you start to taste and you start to ask questions. And whatever I just told you may not make any sense to you. And that's fine. This is really just for me. And having the ability to travel, whether it is correct or not, but it's true for me, causes me to be creative, causes me to think that maybe I can make something that was maybe out of my 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 understanding to some degree, but there's a lot more similarities than not. You know, you may see some of the new concepts that we're working on having a meat program that might look like it's Korean food, might look like it's a asada, might look like you're eating a shawarma or a kebab. You never know. 
And again, I think that travel unlocks all of these things. And if anything, it gives me confidence. And more importantly, it's not about taking. I think it's trying to, you know, find where the Venn diagram overlaps so you can be respectful. And I think a good example of that is what we do with Bong Bar, right? So in, in at the Cosmopolitan and in Columbus Circle, we have Bong Bar. And again, that's bread bar. We griddle flatbreads that are, you know, again, the origins are via China. And we take the technology, the same technology that Mexico uses with uh, pastor tacos, and we put all kinds of things on there. Sometimes we even put mortadella on there. And it's not, it's not Korean. It's not Turkish. It's not Mexican. If we put chicken teriyaki on there, if we put, you know, Korean pork belly or Korean pork shoulder, we marinate it in spicy, sweet, yangyong style Korean flavors. How different is that than going to a Korean barbecue and ordering spicy chili flavored Korean barbecue? It's not. To me, it's the same thing. So as I just explained to you, Whatever I was saying to you may not make any sense at all, and that's okay. But that travel that you need to do probably will only make sense to you if you start to connect those dots. There's progress and there's progress you can feel. The Audi Q8 e-tron is just one model within the Audi e-tron family of fully electric vehicles preparing for a future that is exhilarating, exciting, and thrilling. Audi knows that how we get there matters, and they have the electrified vehicles to make the journey well electrifying. Audi, progress you can feel. Learn more at AudiUSA.com slash electric. That's AudiUSA.com slash electric. All right, guys, before we go, let's do a PFFW. And I, I, I just got to gloat. We did it. <laughs> what was my spread for the Raiders? Yeah, the minus seven. Yeah, I, I, I definitely nailed that. <laughs> the Raiders won by 42 points. Proving that Los Angeles is not the food town compared to Las Vegas. The algorithm, thank you. Thank you for, for shining on me that day. I, I think I should retire. I'm done. <laughs> Are you serious? And I I do know that uh, people got really mad when I said that Las Vegas is maybe the best food city in America. People got super, super upset. Oh, my God. I've been reading the comments like all week. And it's just, oh, whatever, whatever. People are people are wrong. (laughs) Not me. My travel days are over. I have completed my first year service to Amazon. I want to give a big shout out to Jared Stacy, Amina, Spoon, your T-Man, Pierre. Philo, Ross, who, who produced all our segments, and to the entire team that uh, you see on TV, Carissa, Tony, Ryan, Fitzpatrick, uh, Richard Sherman, and Big Wit himself. We, we, listen, it was a dream, and I can't believe we, we got to partake in this season. Can't believe the season's already over for us. So let's hope there's a season two in store. But um, listen, if there isn't, I was able to scratch a bucket list off and grateful. That entire team at Amazon Sports, second to none. And and I'm so grateful to be able to be part of it and to learn. And they were so patient with us. But I, I hope it's the first of many, many opportunities because it was truly one of the funnest things I've ever done. No questions about it. But this is going to be our second and last PFFW. And uh, we've won. We're on a hot streak. New Orleans at the LA Rams. And the LA Rams are four-point favorites. This is tough. This may be the toughest battle of the year. And remember, PF, PFFW is about the, the, the AI algorithm choosing which restaurant is actually best during the game itself. Which not restaurant, which city, right? And that's, the, that's what makes it very difficult. But I'm going for Steakhouse 
listen, New Orleans has Brennan's. It has Galatoire's. And LA has one of my favorite restaurants in Moose and Frank's and a whole host of other steakhouses. All the Korean steakhouses, you got cut. Even people like Maude a lot too, right? That's a steakhouse. There's so many steakhouses. You got got Lowry's, but New Orleans is going to get the victory for steakhouses. You know, you've never been to New Orleans, so you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. Seafood, I'm going with New Orleans again. This is insane. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Do you see all those options I listed in there? I mean, like Coney Seafood, Marisco's Jalisco, you know, the original Matsuhisa. You've not been to He's, any of the man. seafood places in New Orleans, just, so you just, wouldn't know. Casamenos. No. Sandwich is going to, as listen, you know, claims that Central Grocery Muflada is the best sandwich in the world, which is a. I did not say that. And I love Po' Boy. I like beef. I'm just saying. If there's anything overrated in New Orleans, it's the sandwiches for me. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying maybe it doesn't live up to the, the you know, they're like the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Maybe not as good as what people think they are. Because all, all we need is Langer's number 19. By the way, last night I went to uh, the basketball game with Chris Chen and the Podfather and Hershey. And we left the Lakers game because they lost to the Knicks. We just had a huge meal for dinner. And I... I really almost ordered one of those bacon wrapped dogs. Oh my God. It looks so good. I wanted to take a photo. There was a whole convoy. It must have been like 24 of them in a row. And that smell is intoxicating. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's got to be the, I'm, I have to try one. I almost want to go, not even for the game, just to eat. So sandwich is going to Langer. Sweets. God damn. I'm going to Orleans. Sweets. LA. I mean, the only thing that is truly a sweet that's world class is probably Budino. Oh, that's actually a good one. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Budino being Nancy Silverton's butterscotch pudding thing. And special teams, I'm going with Tabasco and Crystal Salsa. So, New Orleans, want to beat 4-1 in the five S's over LA. And I'm no fan of David Carr, but uh, the Saints are going to beat the Rams by 10. Oh, my Lord. Okay. My yeah. city takes the L this week. All right, folks. That's a that's that's a guarantee. And, and I, I, I would I would put a lot of money behind that. But again, this is not financial advice by any means. The James Station Show does not endorse gambling. Well, go book that flight to San Sebastian. And remember, before you book that flight, make the reservation at Echabari. Echabari is so fucking good. Elkana is so fucking good. Mugrits is so fucking good. Bill Bow's got great restaurants. I love San Sebastian. So thank you, Kevin. Give us five stars. 